What's going on, y'all? Welcome into Cast a Podcast. If you're listening on Apple and iTunes Store, if you're on YouTube, my name is Ronnie Moore. Welcome into the channel. And we're going to talk about the Bassmaster Elite Series. I didn't do it the first two events, and uh, I've been slacking a little bit on my own content because we've been doing content for Bassmaster.com and for all the anglers and the tournaments and whatnot. But 2021 is here. It came in a rush. We only had like a month or two off season, but we've had two events under our belt. Third Elite Series event coming up this week. Tomorrow, uh, if you're watching it on Tuesday night or Wednesday, Thursday is when the event starts. And I've been getting heckled by my boy Kyle Jesse. Works with Bassmaster Live last year. Works with Bassmaster.com in a full-time role. This year, he's actually the fantasy fishing czar behind the scenes. I get to just take the credit on Bassmaster Live as the fantasy fishing guru. But he's the one who makes it happen behind the scenes. And I'm going to bring in Kyle because he has been heckling me about doing the podcast doing YouTube and getting it fired back up. And he's like, man, I'm available. If you want to start it up, I'm available. So we're going to jump into some fantasy fishing preview of Pickwick. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff with the anglers, the way the lake's setting up. He'll be there on site. And then I'll obviously be on Bassmaster Live, but it's going to be a great one. So I'm going to bring in Kyle right now. What's, What's up, up Kyle? Not much, I'm man. Good. How are you? I'm doing well, yeah. and I'm excited to do this. Uh, for those of you on YouTube and social media, Kyle Jesse, uh, you've heard him on past podcasts as well. Uh, he's always the one who was there Wednesdays before the event started. We'd do our fantasy fishing predictions. We'd post it up on the iTunes store, and y'all would steal our picks and then do well, and we'd get we'd get no credit for it afterwards. But, Kyle, I'm excited. Uh, this is a cool year for you as well. This is your first full-time year. Uh, in a you know in a in a paying secure you know full time position with Bassmaster, and it's and and quickly we'll talk about it, but it's a similar progression to what I did when I was working as a freelancer on the road with Bass, and then I got hired at JM to be live. Yours was the opposite way, uh, starting at JM in an intern and freelance role, and then getting your full time gig. And, and I'm not gonna say you're gonna quit, but it was it was getting to the point where you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do with your life. You're getting married and you stuck it out and here you are. That is correct. I, uh, yeah. And if I, I don't, I don't say, I won't say that decision was made for sure, but I was definitely to the point where I was like, I don't know how much longer I can keep chasing this. Um, but you know, God has a crazy way of making things work out and it worked out, uh, as perfectly as I could have imagined. And this year has been uh, a true testament to that. I've been, I've been having a great time and I've really enjoyed every second of it so far. He's already got a Bassmaster magazine cover shot under his belt, something I've never done, something very few people have done. Kyle Jesse with an awesome kayak shot. If you guys uh, saw this month's edition, Kings of the Kayaks on um, Bassmaster magazine, there it is. But anyways, I'm not going to inflate his head anymore because we are actually dead tied in fantasy fishing, Rappel of Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing, after two events, we are dead tied to the point. I don't know how that's possible, but we have the same exact uh, output. And what is that? I'm going to look at 1,096, I think. I think. 2,096. Oh, yes. 2,000. Oh, what am I talking about? Yeah, 1,000 will be one event. Yeah, yeah, so, 2,096. And we're sitting at 87.4% overall. So we are in the top 12.6% top of fantasy fishing players. But that's only got us in 4,249th place. Wait, look at your thing right now. Are you 4,249? Are you 4,248 or 50? 2,000 or 4,240. Dang. So you must have got the tiebreakers. Yeah. You're actually beating yeah. me if we ended today. I will say this much. I was thinking this when you said uh, you were kind of bringing back last year how we used to do this. 
Last year was my worst fantasy fishing year that I'd ever played, and I've been playing for a long time. So I hope this doesn't bring back the bad luck of doing the cast of podcast because if that's the case, then you guys aren't going to want my picks. But so far this year, we're we're doing we're doing okay. Yeah, steady Eddie. That's the biggest thing is we haven't had super bad like now. If Scott Canterbury caught him on day two at St. John's, he was 25th, dropped to 75th. If he catches him day two and stays in the top 30, stays in the cut, I'm going to be up there in the top 90 percentile. But that's just Dude, the way it goes. I had, the- I had Canterbury too. It's it's brutal. And then the Tennessee River was very interesting. Uh, a lot of people went with history guys based on the classic. And and I said, you know, in, a, in an English Channel podcast, History, it's like Ike and Ellie says, like you catch a fish on a on, on you catch one fish on a pa- on a bait, it's a fluke. You catch it, it could be a thing. Number two, you catch three doing the same thing, it's a pattern. With one elite series event or one tournament on a given venue at that time of the year, that's not history. That's just yeah. that's just going off uh I guess recent um recency bias, not not concrete history like Cliff Prince at the St. John's. That's concrete history, things like that. So as we get into Pickwick, speaking of history, we don't have much to go on because there's only been a few Elite Series events, and uh, I believe the last one we had was 2011 with Davey Height, and that was when he won. And then I think we had one right before that, Kevin Short won, and and things like that. But Pickwick, my favorite lake in the world, which obviously means my favorite lake on the Tennessee River. It's a very diverse lake. I know that uh, you just moved to Alabama. You probably haven't got to fish Pickwick yet, but that was a staple in college. And I've always dreamed of having a college event in March or April there because that would be when I shined because I love fishing shallow. And I was always in the summertime fishing shallow, getting my brains beat in, finishing finishing the top 30 or 40 in a 200-boat college event, but not having a shot to win because offshore, those 20, 25-pound bags are there. And kind of in the summertime of Pickwick, you can catch – 18 pounds one day and then you're going to have 12 the next day and you're going to slide down a little. So springtime at Pickwick, it's going to be very interesting. We've had elites there around this time. We've had uh, college events recently in April. And then we also have had nation events in the winter time and the fall of the season. So Pickwick, what are your expectations? You're going to be there. We're going to have some crazy weather coming through on Wednesday, the day before the event. That's what, uh, what I, I can't get over is the fact that my whole entire thought process leading into this event was given that the weather stayed stable, it would be an absolute slugfest. Just like everybody has said, um, I think it would be just as good as, you know, we predict, which rarely is the case. Let's be honest. In in the past few years, at least any tournament that we predict is going to be a hundred pound tournament. It almost never ends up being a hundred. That being said, I really thought that was going to be the case. Um, and it still might be. But like you said, that's the only thing that's got me kind of worried is the fact that, uh, you know, we're having some really severe weather come through Alabama tomorrow, uh, tonight and to tomorrow, like afternoon time frame, all the way up until the uh, tournament starts, really. I mean, I think it'll probably be fine for most of the day, but um, I just don't know. Like that kind of when that kind of thing happens, you just don't know how it's going to how it's going to change the fishing. Um, you know, is that going to wash out the dam? Is that going to um make the shallow fishing better? Is it going to dirty up some water? It's really hard to say, but I, I really do expect this to be a terrific tournament. You get the combination of being springtime. It's been really warm here in Alabama. And just like you said, just an awesome fishery. I mean, I think that even with the bad weather coming, you know, of yesterday and then uh, today and possibly tomorrow, 
I, I, I just don't think it'll affect it enough to, to make it like a tough, tough event, so to speak. Yeah, and and anytime you have smallmouth down south or pre-spawn, those nasty days, they're the days that they eat. And so that could be a good thing and a bad thing. It's not going to set them back because they're not locked on beds or anything like that. Right. But the day that they're kind of probably eating, a guy's probably figured out some stuff either the final few hours of Tuesday's practice or the first few hours of Wednesday's practice sure. because of the way these fish bite. And it could either lead them in the wrong direction or the right direction because they're going to bite good in that weather. And the one thing that you got to think, Pickwick is about five to six feet low right now. And the problem with that is now when it when it comes to a fishery being low, they do that at Pickwick because the Tennessee River is a big waterway. And we saw the 2019 Classic in Knoxville when the water – was high in Knoxville, everywhere else was low. And then they had to suck it out of Knoxville. It went through the other lakes like it did and ends up getting pushed into Pickwick and, and Kentucky Lake. And they're the basins. They're the ones that hold that water in. And so when the other lakes need to get rid of water, they send it their, their way. So with Pickwick being six feet low, that's because they're scared of these storms. So mm -hmm. the water might rise a little and then fall a little immediately uh, with the way the water's coming in. But the dam water generation. We'll keep an eye on that. So let's get into our fantasy picks real quick. I know your wife just got home and mine, mine did too. So I know we're going to have to go and eat dinner in a couple minutes, but go through our uh, fantasy lineups and I'll start it off with bucket a bucket. A is an interesting bucket because it's the top 20 anglers in the angler of the year standings after the first two events. Normally the first event we kind of put in last year's top guys, plus some of the most qualified newcomers into the top bucket. I think that's the best way to disperse it as you go through because you're going to have new guys to the elites of all different statures, some real good veterans that are trying to make the move to bass and some guys who this is going to be their first professional event, bona fide rookie uh, when they're in bucket E. So bucket A at the first event is a little bit different. Second event is based off the first event solely, which with Florida and then Tennessee, you can't bank on Florida buckets based on how they did at the St. John's for how they're going to do it. So now we've kind of got a little bit of best of both worlds, a Florida event, spawn, that kind of stuff, and then a genuine tough pre-spawn cold late winter event with the Tennessee River. Now we're going into Pickwick, and it's kind of like leveled itself out. And so yeah, nearly the polar opposite tournaments, really. They really are. And But yet one guy made a top ten in both events, and that's your Angler of the Year leader, Greg Hackney. He's coming back to the Elite Series with a vengeance, and I guess everyone is on that train because 39% of the people picked Greg Hagney, and we'll get into the percentages in a little bit. But in bucket A, I'm going with Brian Schmidt. Brian Schmidt, if you don't know him, first year on the Elites was last year. This is his second year. He didn't make the Classic, didn't perform well. I was really, really shocked at how he didn't really pr produce the way he normally does. But one thing to be said, a great grass fisherman we saw that at the st john's fishing lily pads and whatnot got a top 10 he won a toyota series event in florida the week before fishing offshore grass if pickwick's got any grass which it normally has a little bit of hydrilla here and there a lot of eel grass and and some stuff like that at least a lot of those moving baits that you're going to probe some of that grass he's one that i think that if there's any or that deals with current flow on the title systems it deals with that I think that Brian Schmidt's an underrated pick there, and he's my he's my go-to guy there. 0.3% ownership. So 
I'll take Schmidt to the bank there. The last time I picked him was Santee Cooper. He got stuck up the river and had like one fish both days and finished almost dead last. It was an incredible turn of events that did not uh, benefit me. So bucket A, Brian Schmidt for me. So I'm typically – I know you're, you're, you're like this a lot as well, but I typically don't go with the super high highly picked guys, um, especially in a bucket A where – You've got, you know, like you said, at this point, it's kind of leveled out. Guys have got some momentum going. Um, you know, if you get in bucket A and there's somebody that's 39%, you know, playing percentage, it's hard to justify that because chances are there's somebody else in bucket A that's going to be extremely, extremely like competitive with that person or most of the time, you know, finish higher than that person. Uh, with that being said, I went with Greg Hackney. So that was. The first two events, I wanted to pick Greg Hackney as it was, and I feel like everybody did to a certain extent. Um, I, you know, you just feel like he's going to catch them uh, pretty much all the time. But in this event, you don't have to do much research to to realize that Greg Hackney catches them at Pickwick. Greg Hackney catches them when they're shallow. I mean, everything that this event could be, uh, I think Greg Hackney is going to be right at home with. Obviously, he won a FLW Tour event back in 2014, I want to say. Same year he won... AOI with Bass, uh, and then I, I'm pretty certain in 2011, the last time the Elite Series was there, he would finish top 10. Um, it's just hard to root against him in the sense that, I mean, he's got off to such a great start, and you can just you can just tell he's hungry, and I just think this event sets up too well to not pick him, even at that high playing percentage. I will say, if you look at Greg Hackney's resume on any given fishery, he's probably got a top 10 somewhere in there. That's sure. the bad thing about he being so good, so sure. it's tell. But also, I'll say this: it was uh, into April, about a week or two. So you know, just a few weeks after this event, uh, and the one Davy Height won, he got a top ten there. And then um, the one that he won for FLW, all of those shallow shell bars, they're sitting there high and dry, buddy. There, with the, where the fish were positioned, he's obviously not somebody who's going to just lean on history. So sure. I only say. That it is different to a certain extent. That was that early, that early, I wouldn't even say early summer. It's like late spring, early post-spawn, I would really say for that. But I tweeted this out the other day. I'm doing every Monday is Ronnie Bass Stats. That's what I have it on, on Twitter, hashtag Ronnie Bass Stats. And I said, Greg Hackney, I thought about this the other day, back-to-back -to -back top 10s to start the elite season. I'm like, how many times has that happened in the last decade? I can't go back forever, so I wanted to go back till 2012. So 12 through 21, those 10 seasons, how many times has that happened? It has happened nine of the 10 years. 2015 was the only year that someone didn't get back-to-back -back top 10s to kick off the season. So I was like, wow, it's actually more common than it is Boy, less I, common. Yeah. And in the nine years of those nine years of that decade, there have been 14 occurrences where it's happened. So there's been years where multiple guys, two or three, have gotten top tens in the angler of the race has heated up. And I will say this. So I listed out in that tweet thread all the guys that have did done it, where they finished in their events in the first two. Then the next one says, only of those 13 prior times, not counting Hackney this year, only one person went on to win Angler of the Year. And that was in 2012, Brent Chapman. He ended up winning an event later in the season at Toledo Bend and was able to win Angler of the Year that year. What's very interesting is six of the 13 people to do top 10s in back-to-back -back events to start the season, 
Six of 13 made the top 10 in points at the end of the year. Uh, so only half of them stayed in the top 10. And then only two anglers missed the classic cut overall. Chapman was one of them. He's, he's done it twice, and he won Angler of the Year, and he finished 59th in points, and those were his only two cuts. So a couple interesting things. People are like, Greg Hattie's back with a vengeance. He's uh, he's on fire. He's overwhelmingly the best elite pro, all these things, and I'm not throwing my hands up sarcastically, but people get recency bias a lot, and they're like, he's going to dominate the elites. They, I thought that before the season, and then look at what he's doing. I told you, well, that could be the case. He's doing very great. He's going to stay in it, but there's a lot of other guys that are going to be right on his tail. And I will remind folks, he won the Sabine in 2018. I was just about to bring this up. Halfway through the year, he won the Sabine in points. And then he finished 43rd and missed the classic. And, Mm -hmm. and we, you know, and so it's kind of interesting how that's gone, uh, where a win can set you off on fire or like Brandon card. I mean, Brandon Cobb, he won an event in 2019. He won back to back events. And then finished in the 30s in points because he was going for it every single event, and he didn't. He didn't. He didn't hit up north. So that's just a little Greg Hackney note. Not saying I doubt his skill at all. Not saying any of that. But it's very interesting. It's not a sure thing if you get back to back top tens in the start that you're going to dominate Angler of the Year or something. Only one out of 13 times so far, seven percent have gone on to do that in the last decade. So we'll jump into Bucket B, and I've been talking, giving that stat. So give me your pick for Bucket B. I'm going John Cruz in bucket B. Um, so for a handful of reasons, uh, one, I, obviously anytime you're picking your fantasy team, somebody just always sticks out um, in a bucket. And when it doesn't, that's when it gets really tricky. For some reason, I, I just look at John Cruz and he's had a lot of success on the Tennessee river. Um, just in general, uh, obviously had a good event, a good event in Knoxville, not comparing the two necessarily, but you know, some positive momentum is always good. Um, and then I thought back, and, and it's not even the fact that the fisheries are going to fish the same, but a few years back on Wheeler, uh, John Cruz was really successful and, you know, I, and doing things a little bit differently than the field. Um, and I, I just think that John Cruz's versatility could allow him uh, to fish for smallmouth or largemouth. I really think either way he chooses, you know, to go. He's going to be really, really competitive as far as, you know, like I said, how how this fishery is going to fish and could potentially fish. I think he could easily mix in smallmouth or largemouth. Um, I, I don't know. I Just a gut feeling on John Cruz. Hey, he's got a great Tennessee record uh, overall, the Tennessee River. I think he's done well before maybe a Kentucky Lake, but the classic at Gunnersville last Gunnersville. year, he really strong at St. John's and then Gunnersville, and then really struggled. Uh, he didn't – if we counted this, he would be in the running for this. Back-to-back top tens to start the season. I was only counting the first two elite events because they go for points, but he got a top ten. He got second at the St. John's last year and then a top five at the Classic, I believe, at Gunnersville, mm-hmm. and he missed the Classic. So uh, it's not always the, a sure thing they're going to continue the success, but some guys are really good in that pre-spawn early year uh, time period. We know Ot Defoe is always one that I think every classic he fished in, he got in the top 20 uh, because he's a good pre-spawn angler. John Cruz is another one of those guys. I think that's a very good pick. We saw Tennessee River at Gunnersville, maybe at Pickwick. I know you said Wheeler, Kentucky Lake. He's kind of done it on every stop. I'll have to look at Chickamauga to see if he's done it. Not in the fall last year, but uh, the Texas Fest events and other things. So John Cruz, solid pick. Um, 10%, 10%, I'll live with that. That's a, that's an that's sure. an okay percent for sure. 
I'm going to go with a Alabama angler from the, I guess, southeastern part of Alabama. And no, it's not Steve Kennedy. It is Clint Davis. I'm going to go with Clint Davis. I think he's very good and very underrated at the Tennessee River. When you think about those guys, people want to think Canterbury. You want to think uh, some of these other guys that have done well in those Alabama events. But Clint Davis, he did well at the Classic in Gunnersville. Uh, he's fished plenty of events at Pickwick with his FLW history as well. And I think he fished in college early enough that they were starting to go to Pickwick a bunch. So he's probably got more experience than most on this fishery uh, in the field, at least tournament-wise and uh, not just fun fishing. So I think Clint Davis is going to be one. And, and I feel like he's a solid pre-spawn angler. I think he's real good finesse-wise, but I think he's good early in the year. We saw it at Lanier in 2019. He made a top 10 there. Completely different fishery, spotted bass, clear water, all of that jazz. But early cold weather fishing, I think that he doesn't run around a bunch. I think he maximizes his areas a lot. And so I think if he finds some fish, he can still he'll, he'll fish patiently around them and won't run around too crazy. So that's my pick for bucket B. Another bucket one C looking back at uh, like you were saying uh, last year at the classic. I mean, him fishing those grass lines, doing you know, like you said, kind of like really maximizing an area. Uh, which, you know, I'm just tacking on to what you were saying because that is a really good point. I mean, I think being able to, uh, you know, really milk everything it's, you know, an area's worth, I mean, I think that's, you know, could be huge. Well, and, I think it, and it even shows to either his Tennessee River knowledge of angles to set up on things or his mm -hmm. patience. He fished side by side with Canterbury and Matt Airy, I believe, on their starting spot. And both those guys had poor finishes in the Classic. And he... Uh, was in the top 10 after day one and then and then ended up making the cut still, even though he dropped off day two. And he was fishing right beside of him, and he was able to get that lineup right or just stay patient in the midst of a crowd. So we'll see with Clint Davis, um, but I think, I think it's a solid pick. Now, my bucket C, not going anything off the radar here. I think a Stetson Blaylock is a very good angler. I feel like he's very good in those ultra tough event, uh, ultra tough events, and I also mm -hmm. think he's very good at those high weight events. Like he's so basically, all I'm telling the viewers at home is Stetson Blaylock's a good angler. That's all I'm Always telling. Always catch him when it's tough and when it's good. But I think Stetson, uh, with his cold water, not expertise, but he's he's pretty good at the pre spawn time of year. Um, I think that. He comes into the season, and normally if he can get started in Florida strong, which Florida's a, a wild card, he made the cut there, barely missed the cut in Tennessee, so he's right there riding that line middle of the pack. Mm -hmm. But it's not as bad as some people that have had a top finish and a bottom finish. He has had a cut, and then I barely missed cut. But I think Stetson's one that, whether it's a bladed jig or a lipless, or he honestly may be a top five angler in the in the in the elite series with a lipless crankbait and then uh, like his speed in and those kinds of speed trap uh, those burning across grass or on the flats. I feel like Stetson knows how to do that. And, uh, and so I wouldn't put it past him at least for, it, he might not factor in the event, but he might not bomb. And that's, and that's really a safe thing that you need is somebody that's not going to bomb. Sure. Um, so I'm going to go with Stetson's running mate, Micah Fraser in bucket C. Um, so when I selected Micah Frazier at the time, he was at 2%, uh, literally right at 2%. He's at four and a half now. Um, once again, that's super manageable. I don't think that's, that's a problem. Most you probably told somebody and they copied you. I, I'm telling you, I think that's, there's, there's some truth to be told to that. 
Um, Kyle's stories and some of the pundit stories on BassmasterFantasy.com. They have all of the pundit pick stories, and Kyle writes his picks as well. And I try to tell Kyle, you got to be completely honest with your picks. Don't pick somebody in the story to try to then go switch your lineup later. I was like, just set your lineup before practice, go with your gut, write your story, and don't change it, and you'll do better. So far, that's worked out okay. Because like I said, last year, I, I was a, I was a head case last year. I mean, I was changing picks left and right. Like I said, it was, it was terrible for me last year. Um, but back to Michael Frazier, uh, kind of the same process or thought process in why you're you know selecting Stetson Whitelock's pretty much the same thing for me. Uh, you look at the classic last year, um, he caught him on the exact same things. I mean, they, they do fish very similarly. I think that's part of the reason they get along so well. Um, but one thing I did mention in my story and I, I just keep thinking about is the fact that uh, I want to say it's on the last day of the classic when uh, Micah caught a few on a swim bait over the grass, like a big hollow belly swim bait over the grass. And I, I just, I know how much that plays around the dam for smallmouth. And my thought process is like same with John Cruz in the sense that I think he could be just as competitive fishing for smallmouth at the dam uh, with a big swim bait, you know, however you see best fit up there. It's kind of hard to say with the amount of current and everything um, or fishing for uh, largemouth, you know, fishing grass, fishing shallow. I, I really think at 4%, he is a steal in bucket C. That's, that's one that I'm super confident it's going to catch him. He's a quiet guy for sure. I picked him at the Tennessee River, and he said, uh-oh, when I posted it. He's not, <laughs> not too stoked to get the pick of doom because every event, I got one guy that does not catch them very great. I, somebody's got to finish last out of your lineup every time, but I'll have that one bomb, and it kills me. I didn't really have a bomb at the Tennessee River. Like 66th or, or 70th was my low guy, but that's what day, that's what uh, killed me at the St. John Scott Canterbury 20, or 75th there. So maybe a bomb, maybe not, but I hope my kiss, kiss of death doesn't hurt somebody on my team. So go on and take bucket D since you just did Micah Frazier there. So – it's it's funny. I, I never really noticed the parallels of the classic last year to this tournament. Obviously, last year being on Gunnersville, um, obviously more grass than there is on Pickwick, but at the same point, two Tennessee River fisheries, similar time frames. Um, Bunch of flow as well, water flow. Right, right. Um, kind of sticking with that same theme. In Bucket D, I like Todd Auden, um, another guy that's low, low, player percentage i want to say at the time that i picked him was three percent right now he's at five percent so once again i think people are listening that's all i'm gonna say um but at the same point uh i just think anytime todd Otten can be chunking and winding something he's gonna be in the mix i mean a chatterbait spinnerbait crankbait whatever the case is um and another another thing is i don't remember who you you had uh, mentioned the fact that he, oh, Clint Davis, fishing on Pickwick uh, through FLW. Uh, obviously, oh, yeah. Todd Otten is an FLW guy. I did do some research on that. I'll be honest, his his finishes weren't outstanding at Pickwick, uh, but like you had mentioned earlier, different times of the year, a lot of different, right, completely different fisheries w- when they go fish there um, or have in the past. So, like I said, being that it's springtime on a lake, regardless you know how good his history is, He's spent some time on Pickwick. I think he's going to be a uh, a player in Bucket D. And like I said, at 5%, I'll take that all day long. Man, I'm going to do it to you. I'm going to drop one. 
normally I have one that's low percentage, like low, low, not like two or three, like less than 1%. And people are like, Ronnie Moore is high. Like, ain't no way he's onto something that I'm not onto. But I'm going to go with it. I think my bucket A pick of Brian Schmidt is 0.3. But I always take it with a grain of salt in bucket A because it's the top, top guys. When you get down to the lower percentages at the bottom, you're either really shooting for something or uh, you believe that they're had, they've had poor performances this year out of a My 0.4% percentage right now in bucket D is Brad Watley. And I really don't – it's more of a gut thing. I'm looking through this list, and I see plenty of guys that I could pick. Some of these guys that are going to risk it for the biscuit. Some of these guys that are really up north guys. Some of these guys that you just don't have enough tangible experience with them on the elites to know how they're going to do. you know. And then you've got some guys that might not suit their style. Pickwick might suit Robbie Latuso and Tyler Rivette's style in the summer or fall, uh, or more so fall. Um you know, some of these guys like David Mullins totally could, but it's not his home lake. And he does like fishing offshore, but as the water gets warmer and as these fish start moving up, will they be leaving him? Those kinds of things are the questions. So there's a lot of instability in bucket D, in my opinion. And so I'm going with Brad Watley because sure. I think that he's always he's always fishing around himself he's got some other good guys that he rooms with the, the Caleb Summerall's and the you know Lee Live sees those guys that will be honest with you and kind of work together and I think the way he likes to fish he fishes some bigger baits he fishes a lot of moving baits I feel like he's going to find something uh, a little bit off the beaten path to himself or he might go get in the crowd and not be afraid of getting in the crowd catch a couple key fish, and then get out of the crowd because it does mess with some anglers' heads. So, Bucket D, I'm going Brad Watley. I think that um, the Texan's going to show up. He didn't produce the first two events uh, like he probably hopes, but I feel like he's got to be my low percentage pick because I'm about to bust it wide open in Bucket E with my percentage pick. So, as we I like, get I into like the pick. I like that event. Okay, good. I got your approval. Right, that means I got to change it because it's not going to be it's not going to bode well. Um, so my bucket pick, I got to go chalk, dude. I got to go chalk. I got to go with my boy Justin Atkins. Not only does he know most about the fishery, he lives about fourteen feet from like from Pickwick. Um, he's about halfway between the Waterloo ramp and the Florence ramp. He lives in a great. I've driven down and past his house. 100,000 times for college events at Pickwick. He just wasn't living there yet. Moved to Florence uh, from Mississippi where he was, you know, kind of born and raised. And uh, he knows so much about this place that he'll know when to go to the horseshoe. He'll know when to leave the horseshoe. He'll know this little knob off the end of this point. He's seen it at winter drawdown. He loves fishing. He loves hunting, but he loves fishing early in the year. He knows all those subtle things. God, it's so hard not to pick him. So I got to pick him 48%. We were joking at the end of the Tennessee River event after we saw him struggle his butt off. Finished almost dead last, I think. He zeroed on day one, had everything go wrong that could go wrong. And then he caught caught some fish and got some points. And I said, that was crucial, just getting points. But I said, man, Justin Atkins, he's going to be in bucket E with a lot of the guys that have struggled this year. What do you think? 60, 65%? And we, we agreed. And it's only 48, so I'm that's a steal for me. 
Well, I was about to say, thank God, and this is not a joke, but thank God that Chris Zaldane is in bucket E. I mean, you know, and, and okay, let's be real honest. Chris Zaldane has a really good chance to catch him in this tournament too. Um, it really sets up well for him. I think big baits, uh, swim baits, things of that nature could really play. But with that being said, I also went chalk and I picked uh, Justin Atkins as well. You just, it's hard for me to justify picking anybody else. I, it didn't matter if he was in bucket A, B, C, D, or E. It really did not matter. Um, like you said, I, I just think that, you know, the point you made is a perfect point. And on top of that, what I keep thinking in my head is like having a backup plan is great. Having probably 50 backup plans, if it gets to that point, you know, like whatever the conditions are going to be, especially with this weather moving in, something that we talked about previously, um, he's probably going to know what to expect, at least to a certain extent, before it even happens. You think he's never fished the lake when this has been the circumstance? Tornadic situations have came through. I mean, I'm sure. I bet he's the only one in the field that has. And I know Elite Series pros are the best in the world. They know how to read different things, but those damn readouts, and I'm not I'm not cussing here on the podcast. I'm not cussing here on YouTube. But those the the lock and damn, those generation schedules and um you know the outflow and the inflow, what they're taking in from Wilson versus what they're putting out of Pickwick, and that's like sixty something, seventy miles long. So how does that affect what they're sending from Pickwick to Kentucky Lake versus what they're taking in and how to determine if it's going to make it rise or fall? He's going to be one that's going to look at it and be like, oh, 100% all day. They're going to they're gonna drop it, you know, that kind of thing without oh, having yeah. – because that's thing. It's not a lake where it's like, oh, it's three feet below full pool. It's basically you got to look at it with your eyes and then look at the generation schedule and be like, this is when they're going to bite or this is when – this is what it's going to do. And so I'm with you on that one. And one thing I will say – Picking locals. People want to pick locals all the time. Picking locals early in the year and late in the year, I think, is the best thing. In the summertime, a lot more tournaments happen in the south. A lot more tournaments happen up north. Those, uh, you know, it's tournament season. It's the heat of it, you know, that May to August time period. A lot more history has been made. Even if it's not tournaments on Gunnersville, guys that have been in Alabama have fished Gunnersville, those things. But when you look at a an Ot Depot on the Tennessee River early in the year, people don't have a lot of experience there. When you look at Cliff Prince early in the year, yes, we have a lot of experience there, but when it gets cold and when it gets tough and they're not all on bed or in the summer, they're not all offshore at Gunnersville. When it's a little different than normal, man, those locals have it. Like Edwin Avers, Jason Christie at the Grand Lake Classics. When it is brutally tough or abnormal, they excel. Casey Ashley at Hartwell, when it's really cold, he's going to win it. Like, it's just, I think it's so hard to pick against a local from January to late March if they haven't gotten on bed yet. Basically, that's the window. If they if they hit the bed, local advantage is gone, in my opinion. But if you are early in the year, that's where picking a local is really crucial. I picked Brandon Card at the Tennessee River. He got fourth place. I picked Cliff Prince at uh, the St. John's River. He got fourth place. Like, that's that's so crucial, and I think we miss it sometimes looking at fantasy fishing. Yeah, and let's be honest. Justin has been outspokenly very happy that the event was moved to March versus, you know, alleged fishing deal that it was, you know, potentially going to be scheduled as. So, um I think what you're saying is spot on. I think that, um, 
you know, if a local advantage is ever going to play, I think I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think this is this is definitely the time and the the situation, like like we were saying with the weather and everything. That you know, I think he's going to have a huge advantage. So we're going to wrap this up, and at the thirty-six minute mark of this deal, I'm going to bring in a wild card, something you don't know, Kyle. Something I'm going to just test you on. We're going to do a little bitty segment that I like to call hype or history. Hyper history. And so what it, what it is is basically looking at the fantasy fishing lineups and the buckets in bucket A. The two highest percentage guys in those buckets, as you can see, Greg Hackney, Brandon Polinick. And I want you to tell me, hyper history, I know you picked Hackney and I know you picked Atkins, so those are going to be two guys. But when you look at those guys, are those high percentage picks because of hype or because of history? For a Greg Hagney and a Brandon Polinick. Is it recency bias? Is it performance? Is it favorite angler? Hyper history for uh, Greg Hagney and Brandon Polinick. And if so, and, and for these, I'm going to do this. This is kind of rough explaining it, but since you've picked Atkins and since you picked Hackney, you've got to give me a reason why you would pick the opposite dude. Okay. So now, are you wanting me to say why I picked? Yeah, that one's tough because okay. Yeah. So why did why was Hackney thirty nine percent? Is it because of hype of this year or history of past years? And same thing with Polinick, maybe. That one specifically is so tough because it could be either. It really, really could be either. I mean, he's one of the few in the field that has notable, successful history, and he's also as hyped up as an angler as there is on the Elite Series right now. So um, if I'm gonna have to say, I'm gonna say hype. I mean, people people have thought, you know, about the back-to-back top tens. I'm going to say hype. And so for Brandon Palmer, he's sitting there. What was he? I think he's like I think he's like 10, 10%. So the second highest bucket, but he's only 10%. Do you think all of those picks are because of Greg Hackney being so high or because they think Palmer is going to catch him? Hard to say. Um, I'm, I'm going to say hype for sure. Um, based on lack of history. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to say hype based on lack of history. Um, but at the same point, I mean, you look at Bucket E, and like you said, if you were going to go against Greg Hackney and, and excuse me, Bucket A, um, that's a pretty good option to, to fall back on for sure. So I'm, I'm going to say hype. Okay. We're going to jump into Bucket B then. Lester and Kennedy. Brandon Lester, Steve Kennedy, Bucket B. Uh, Lester's at about 19%, I believe, 189 and then Kennedy's at 18.4. So give me a little bit of hype or history on the reasoning that they're both at 18 plus percent. Can I switch it up and say one's for one and one's for the other? Or both, like why both of them are hype or history? I, I think a little bit of, since you didn't pick either one, a reason you didn't, were you scared of those percentages or do you think that they're just picked because of hype? Cause I think I'll personally give my input on this. I think Lester is history on the Tennessee river, but yep. then I think Kennedy's hype because of but his last, big fishing yep. and the last we just had that, that I'm not just saying this because you said that that was going to be my exact logic. You look at somebody like Brandon Lester um, and even though it might de- not, might not be tournament history on, on Pickwick. Yeah. It's just Tennessee river history. Um, and then, yeah, I think based on last week, watching Steve Kennedy be Steve Kennedy, basically, I think the hype of, I say last week, last tournament, yeah, I definitely think that, uh, 
I think that's spot on. So, so Lester was history. Kennedy's hype. Yep. Yep. Okay. And now this next one, this one's going to be interesting because both of these boys are on Bassmaster live on day one of the event, Scott Canterbury, buddy gross, two of our six anglers on live. You can watch them fish all day on bassmaster.com eight to three, a little different, no break eight to three bassmaster.com Canterbury and gross. They're sitting there in bucket C guys. You wouldn't expect to be there. And Buddy Gross sitting at 17%. Scott Canterbury sitting at 23, almost 24%. Do you think Canterbury, a little bit of history for him because he's Alabama or a little bit of hype because of that? And then I think I think Gross would be history more than Canterbury would be. But I would say they're both history. Um, obviously, uh, Canterbury did do well at the Tennessee River. Uh, he missed the top, top 10 cut the final day, uh, but he was on camera the third day. Um, I, I, I covered him actually that third day. Uh, things kind of fell apart on him, so I got to see that firsthand. Um, but with that being said, I'm gonna say, yeah, oh yeah, it's 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 the bad bad aura. But um, I would say history on both. I mean, because like you said, okay, Scott Canterbury being uh, an Alabama guy, uh, I think that the natural instinct is to think surely he's fished Pickwick a ton, which I don't know to be true or false. I'm sure he's fished quite a bit. And then the same thing could be said for Buddy Gross just being such a Tennessee river hammer um, and obviously history in the sense that he won an FLW tour event um, on Pickwick. How many years back was that? I mean, that was a few years back, but I think history on both of those guys. Recently also uh, with the lower level uh, events in the mm-hmm. on Pickwick region. So yeah, he's, sure. he's got a big break there at Pickwick helped him to be able to jump in full time as a pro, but then also those other. So uh, you say both were history, so we'll I'm give them both history. Underline both of them. Interesting thing, bucket D. This is the hyper history picks. Clark Winlet, David Mullins, first and second in Angler of the Year last year are the highest picked guys in bucket D. Somewhere you don't expect them. That's 60th to 80th in Angler of the Year. Right. So give me hyper history on the reasoning behind Winlet at 21%. And Mullins at nineteen percent. I okay, so it's hard to say hype really for either of them in the sense that when you yeah, get down to thing I just came up with, so that's yeah, yeah, no, 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 right. I, and I see the the logic for sure. But with that being said, like I don't think you could say hype in bucket D or E. Um, but history, uh, Clark Wendellet has has inevitably fished, uh, you know, Pickwick several times uh, through FLW. And you naturally assume David Mullins being a Tennessee guy, you know, obviously he's had some success on the Tennessee River as well. Um, I, I'm going to say history on both. I, like I said, you can't. It's hard to be in bucket D and have a lot of hype. But I'm I'm going to say I'm going to say history. Okay, I'll put it there, and I and I will say the only hype factor that'll come from it because we always like to talk about percentages and people can agree to disagree that percentages matter early in fantasy fishing seasons or late or at only certain events or whatever, but you got to look at the percentages and, 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 you know, decipher where they picked highly because you're not thinking about something. You missed a history of them doing well, or did they say it's their favorite lake or the bait that's being used or the time of the year is going to suit them. You got to decipher that. And sometimes you can't really put a reason on it other than hype. It's a big swim bait event, so this guy, or it's a spawning event, so this guy, not because of history on that lake, true, true. because of technique. 
and it hypes them up as, you know, he's the best sight fisherman. If it's a sight fishing event, Drew Cook's got to be on your lineup or Drew Benton. One of those, like if it was an Alabama and it was sight fishing, I'd be like, why are you picking Floridians? But it's because it's sight fishing, so it'd be hype. So that's okay. where the With kind that of being said, and just you've definitely opened my eyes to that. I, I, I that definitely makes sense. I, I hadn't really considered it like that. Um, you could almost say David Mullins would be hyped then, just based on style. Um, you know, history of doing well in events like that or Tennessee River events. But I'd say I could say hype for for Mullins. I think you'd go either way on that one. Okay, I'll do what I'll do for Mullins. I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you a semicircle. It's gonna almost I'll almost put it all the way in there. There you go. Uh, last one, Justin Atkins, Chris Zaldane, hyper history. I think this one's about as cut and dry as it can be on on both of those. But what do you think? Hype and history. Uh, like you said, Atkins, forty eight percent, and Zaldane at like 24 percent. Those guys are over sixty. 60-ish percent, 63, 62% um, for bucket E. So Zaldane, for me, would be hype. I think that's uh, – because, I mean, you can't really look at specific history. Um, yeah, it's big swim bait country. Right. I mean, it's, a, it's an event where you think his style would, you know, set up perfect. And like I said earlier, I really think it could. Um, I mean, Justin Atkins, I mean – history i mean that's it's got to be history as far as atkins uh i mean just having fished there so much i mean he's he's spent more days on pickwick than anybody in the field i would think even even having this much shorter of a career than a lot of those guys i'd say it's still not even close just you know number of fishing days on that lake yeah 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 him and brock mosley probably have spent the most time there brock being from mississippi and uh simple because Mississippi doesn't have that many great fisheries, no offense. And so they got to come to Pickwick, which has part of uh, a couple full creeks and part of another creek in Mississippi uh, on, on Pickwick. So out of the 10 most picked anglers in the buckets, you've got, you know, you've got three solid hype picks and I would say Hackney is half. I'll, I'll erase half of his circle because half of it's got to be history as well. Um, so we'll give Hackney a little bit of history, a little bit of hype, so we got about four total circles for hype, six historical picks. I think that's going to be very interesting. I think one thing to watch is those guys who you see on the blog, you see on day one alive, you see in the photo galleries that are at the dam. It's going to be very interesting to see how smallmouth factor, if it could be a four-day thing. When I was there, so Davey Height won with mixed bags. He caught mean mouth, he caught large mouth, he caught small mouth. Uh, mean mouth are obviously a mixture of species and then also spotted bass are in play at Pickwick as well. All of them have to be 15 inches. So it's not crazy like the Tennessee River out of Knoxville was where they're 18 inches. So Davey had mixed bags to win that event. We saw the college event in early to mid-April that I covered. 81 boats, I counted at one point, were at the dam fishing in the horseshoe. And so those spawning smallmouth, sometimes you catch them with a drop shot. Basically, you guys will throw a swim bait, but when you got 81 people, you can't really cast it that far. So a lot of drop shotting going on there for betting smallmouth. I don't think they're betting. I think that they're going to be in the current feeding, uh, and maybe in the next you know few weeks they'll bed. But that, that dam, that Wilson dam, is going to be the X factor. But I'll say in that April event, three-day event, 
The first two days, dominated by smallmouth. They petered out on day three. Obviously, they're not elite pros. They're college anglers. A lot more pressure at the dam as well. But it ended up getting one on largemouth, a guy who had, you know, a team that had three days of largemouth shallow, ended up prevailing. So everyone's infatuated with the smallmouth. Don't forget about the largemouth. And we've got a lot of great places on Pickwick. To break it down, if you're looking at the lake from takeoff, you have the horseshoe right there at Wilson. And then as you make your way uh, northwest is where you're going directionally. But as you make your way downriver, you're going to go through Seven Mile Island. And Seven Mile Island splits Pickwick in half. You can go left. You can go right. If you stay to the right, you're going to face Coffee Slough and you're going to face the Woodlands. And those are two regions that shallow largemouth guys love to be in. That's where I always lived in the summertime. They has It has good vegetation and good depth drop off into that river, but they're still shallow. And then as you work your way, you have Coger Island right there before the Natchez Bridge. Coger's got a lot of different channel swings and, and little ditches. It also has a good, um, a good element in eelgrass. Eelgrass tends to grow in some of those areas where the current bunches up or where those channels you know swing and it's got a lot of those little turns and it bunches up there you get to the when you get past that natchez trace you hit that waterloo bear creek region and that region is the heart of offshore ledge fishing bear creek's got plenty of shallow and deep fish down in there and then once you get farther into what would we call what we'd call Mississippi and Tennessee country, you got Yellow Creek, Dry Creek, State Line region. There's a couple called the Bird Cage up there, a couple areas. And then you get all the way to Counts, Tennessee, where the Pickwick Dam goes into Kentucky Lake. That is your lay of the lake unofficially of how it maps out. And so we could see some shallow guys going really far away to the Dry Creek region, like all the way up into the State Line of Tennessee or staying pretty close that seven mile island region you could see smallmouth guys on opposite ends of the spectrum as well and then you could see the 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 bar fish those shallow offshore fish called barfish so that's kind of your outline of how pickwick's going to be give me a weight prediction i know we talked about 100 pounds was going to be everyone's hope and prayer it would be something very unique um i don't think we've ever had i don't i don't know a gunnersville event maybe someone caught something other than a largemouth, but most of our Tennessee River events that are 100 pounds are largemouth. For smallmouth to be a factor in a 100-pound event down south would be very cool. I've got it just under that, 91 pounds, 9 ounces is my projection. 100 is really hard. We could see 25, 26, 27-pound bags, but you got to have consistency in florida you can get away with having a 30 pound bag and a 15 pound bag and a 30 pound bag and a 15 pound bag here i think you got to have 27 28 and you got to have 22 being your floor every day and that that could be difficult uh i had 20 or excuse me i had 92 10 and i would say the same logic that you put behind it in the sense that like you said just getting to 100 is so tough um, I mean, when you think about the thought of catching 25 pounds a day, I mean, it, it, like you said, it never works out that way. It really depends on, like you said, maybe one big bag and being able to back that up with, with you know, low to mid 20s. Um, but that's just so difficult. Like, you know, and I'm not trying to be a pessimist and say that it's not going to happen. I hope it happens. I hope the whole entire top 10 catches over 100 pounds. Um, but with that being said, I mean, like you said, it's just so hard to see that happen. Um, 
So I, I went 92-10. So I was, I was very similar to you. It might not be the highest weight event of the Bassmaster Elite Series season. We may see more. We may see our first all smallmouth bag up north at St. Lawrence. We could see, I mean, I hate to say it, but it could scare the crap out of the Falcon record at Fork with the way that our winter was and those fish being pushed back and all going up at the same time, whatever the case may be there. Uh, so it might not be the highest weight event that we have. Gunnersville in summer could get, it could hit 100. The Pickwick will be one of the most fun events we have this year, viewership-wise. You're going to see some really cool stuff. Some of the fattest, healthiest fish you're going to see all year will be caught on the Tennessee River this week out of Florence, Alabama. No doubt. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I'll uh, I'll be heading up there tomorrow. But I mean, I I literally cannot wait. Like you said, I think when you look at the schedule, when this one got moved to March, it, it almost instantly for me, and I think I know for you. Yeah, it became the most in, one of the most interesting tournaments on the schedule, uh, you know, if not the most for a lot of people. Um, with that being said, something I just thought about a second ago, you know, getting back to the fantasy aspect of it, um, you know, I think you could say this to be true on a lot of our picks, but I, I was just thinking about how you and I have always talked about Champlain, picking guys that can do both. Because over the course of three days of practice, the guys that are capable of doing both I mean, yeah, being able to switch between the two and, you know, really figure out what's what's going to be the deal. And, you know, let's say uh, the smallmouth fishing, you know, tuckers out, like you were saying, like it gets worse and it gets tough to catch those fish. I mean, having something to back up on, I think, could be a uh, a huge deal. And, you know, like I said, the, the two aren't necessarily super comparable as fisheries, but just, you know, picking anglers that are versatile, I think, can be a uh, a very good strategy this week. It's a real volatile time of the year. We're going to see some guys that are second, third, fourth in the event on camera just not catch them one day, and they're going to they're going to drop down, or they're going to catch 15, 16 pounds and then be pushed into oblivion with big bags because it's just going to be day-to-day. -day. They could leave their smallmouth pattern, and we never see it on camera. And mm -hmm. then their largemouth and their, their losses can be. And so that'll be very interesting to see. I always like the events that show me something I don't always see. We're going to see dam fishing. We're going to see current fishing. We're going to see smallmouth, largemouth, early pre-spawn Tennessee River stuff. I like the Winyah Bays. I like the Sabines. I love those shootouts, but I love the events where it's tough. Anglers are worried about catching them. That means every single day you got to get their best effort. There's no saving fish, no hiding fish, no no whatever. You got to catch them and get out of there and uh, and and try to save what you can. But don't try to let up. You got to catch them this week but you're still going to be saving fish. There's going to be guys who catch 25 pounds and they're worried about catching a limit the next day from the dam because everybody else is trying to catch them too. You see, you see a guy catch 25 pounds over there. You think you're going to lay up? No. If you leave first, he's going to keep wrecking them. If yep. he leaves, you need to stay and wreck them. So it's going to be uh it's going to be relentless, but Kyle, my man, thank you for joining me. We're kicking this podcast back up. Thank you for the kick in the booty over here and appreciate my boy Bailey. Uh, with Serious Angler Podcast. Go check them out. He told me all about StreamYard, an easy way to do a Skype, Zoom, Web WebRx-type deal where we can uh, we can do this streaming and uh, get my pretty eyes on Kyle. So I appreciate it. Uh, joining me for the Fantasy Fishing Preview and the Lake Preview for Pickwick. It's going to be a great event. I'm excited. Like I said, Thursday through Sunday will be live on Bassmaster.com. But on the weekend, we will be 8 to 11 o'clock on Saturday and 8 to 11 o'clock on Sunday Eastern time on Fox Sports 1. Check out Bassmaster Live. 
I'll be there. Tommy, Zona, Such, everybody, Davey, Mercer. Kyle will be bringing photos and blogs from the water, so check that out as well. Follow along on Bass Track as well. And if you haven't done Rappel of Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing and you're like, these guys gave me great picks, but I don't even know how to do it, go to BassmasterFantasy.com. Tune in there, create a, create a free account, and then you can win prizes. It doesn't matter if you didn't do the first two events. Uh, you can win prizes the rest of the year. So, Kyle, appreciate you, man. We're going, to, uh, we're going to end this deal, and we will see you. I'll probably shoot one with you next week or the week after that for the Sabine River first week or so of April in South Texas, and we will uh, we'll see you there. I'm glad we're doing this, man. Let's get back after it. See you, Kyle. See you.